You ever made love in Iowa? Welcome back to this, the number one podcast in Iowa, the most listenable podcast in Iowa, the highest quality podcast in Iowa. Some would say the only podcast in Iowa. And I would say that. I say it. Yeah, the the last thing kind of preempts all the other things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we're the only one, we're the top in every category. Uh, I don't think I said the name of the show, though. This is Rock Hard Caucus, the podcast. I'm here today with my friend Evan. Howdy. Good to see you again. Thank you. Uh, uh, people listening can't hear that you're wearing a hat. Do you uh, want to tell them about your new hat? Uh, yeah, my girlfriend got me a hat for my birthday. Uh, it's uh, Steely Dan. It says Katie Lied. It's green like the cover of the album. It's pretty nice. <laughs> I was mentioning earlier that I'm going bald faster and faster, so trying to increase my collection of hats uh, for when it gets really bad. Mm-hmm. He's basically becoming a father right in front yeah, of us. Yeah, exactly. Especially Steely <laughs> Dan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not the coolest. <laughs> well, if you are not familiar with what we do here, this is mostly a podcast about Iowa politics. And one of the most important things in Iowa politics right now is the passage of the school choice bill in the Iowa legislature uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, if you follow Iowa politics at all, you probably know about that already, but we're going to try to talk about it in some depth and... I think it's fair to say that Evan and I both care about this subject. We both value public education. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Well, yeah. Natalie and Stella uh, both have kids now, so yeah, yeah, they, that's what I was going to say. Here, is that, so we kind of right. have to care on their behalf, you know? <laughs> yeah. So you and I, we care about it, but we don't work in a public school. We don't have any kids, so mm-hmm. there's some distance there, despite us caring about it. Uh, mm-hmm. So we brought in a guest to help try to fill in some of the gaps for us so welcome to rock hard caucus for the first time dexter mershbrock hey thanks for having me i um also am just a guy who feels a lot of distance even though i have kids and i'm on the school board here in cedar rapids but uh you know being on the school board you hear from teachers and stuff like that it's you know there's people actually are doing the actual work so i'll try my best to fill in the gaps but just give a shout out to the people who are living this every day Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who this is really going to be affected by all these policies as well. So thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks again for coming on. Um, I, what kind of stuff do you hear from, uh, do you hear from people who support the school choice stuff at all in your role as the, uh, school board member? No, not at all. Um, I've heard, <laughs> you know, you definitely see a lot of stuff, um, of, about people who are opposed to it, on it, but, in terms of official communication coming into the school board, it's kind of been silence. Um, and, you know, I guess uh, the people who support it are on different social media channels than I am on because I don't see a lot of support for it um, anywhere, really. Um, and given that I think 90 percent of Iowa students are, you know, maybe 88 percent of Iowa students are public education students and the other 12 percent are private education students, not surprising that there's not a lot of people, you know, saying, oh, this is great for me because most people are in public schools. And even if they realize that their public schools isn't perfect, they're pretty happy with it. 
overall. So I, I don't see anything out there. There's no one uh, knocking down my door saying, uh, you know, make sure this gets passed so we can get out of the public schools. I, I don't think that's really what most people think. Mm-hmm. Well, let me give some of the details about what's in this law. I got this from the Des Moines Register's article, uh, which is titled Iowa's New School Choice, in quotes, law is among the most expansive in the U.S. Here's how it works. Expansive. (laughs) Interesting (laughs) word. Uh, So this would give $7,598 per year per student to the families of students who enroll in private schools. And this phases in over the next three years in the first year, which I think, I think is now, I think it's already active. Like it's signed and it was like immediately like that starts year one of this program in year one, all public school students and all private school students with a family income up to 300% of the federal poverty level are eligible for that. $7,598. And 300% of the federal poverty level is about $83,000 a year for your average family of four. So I'd imagine that makes most people eligible for this right away in the state of Iowa. Yeah, I don't know what median income is these days, but it's usually hovering around $60,000 or something for a family of four. So, Mm -hmm. you know, quite a few people are going to be eligible for that. Yeah. Notably, though, uh, I would say the the private school community probably is above that threshold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get to them. In year two, uh, the eligibility expands to all private school students with a family income up to 400% of the federal poverty level. That's $111,000 a year for a family of four. And then once we hit the third year of the program, every student in Iowa would be eligible for this. And the only capacity, the only limit on this would be the capacity of the private schools in Iowa, which is a concern because I think half of the counties in Iowa don't have a private school currently at all. Well, yeah, after that, if there's only, if they're only serving 40,000 students right now um, compared to, you know, the 400,000 in public schools, it's they don't just have a lot of unused space out there right now, so... They're going to be scrambling to find space and all the problems that public schools have, finding space, dealing with demographic Mm -hmm. change. You know, if this expands, if, you know, if it doubles or triples the number of kids in private schools, they're going to have a lot of the same problems public schools have with just making things work uh, year to year. And that's just kind of part of the uh, sales job. It's like, oh, this is going to be great. Everyone's going to have the highest quality of education. But you know, that's not how it works. It's a project to educate kids year to year, find a place to put them, feed them, find teachers that are qualified. And, you know, they want to just kind of paper over all this and make it seem like it's a great uh, thing for everybody. And there'll be no problems whatsoever. So yeah, realistically, very few people are going to be able to take advantage of this. Like, did you say there's 40,000 students currently in private schools? That's that's the ballpark of what I remember. Um, something like that. It's it's something in like 10% of the students uh, currently. Maybe I'm reading that from your number, but I don't think it's much more than that um, right now mm-hmm. in private yeah. schools. It's usually 90-10 or something like that, maybe 85-15 in terms of percentages of public and private schools right. uh, in terms of which students are in which. Yeah. 
Well, that article that I read says that the Legislative Services Agency estimates that once this has been phased in entirely, there's going to be about 41,687 students enrolled in this program, <laughs> which is not a big increase. <laughs> yeah, I don't think their goal is to get a lot of new people into the private schools. I think their goal is more or less to pay the cost for the people who are in private schools. Uh right now and you know pick off a few more here or there if they can but this is a handout to the people who are in private schools right now which is not how they have been selling this to the media and the public no it's uh it's changed over i think two years ago it was just you know we've got these ridiculous uh state scoring systems that tell you if your school's good or not which more or less track with uh zip code income levels, you know, the Mm -hmm. test scores and everything, they really aren't indicative of too much if you ask me. Um, But it used to be, it's like, oh, if you have a kid in a quote unquote failing school, Kim Reynolds would always say, then you can get Mm -hmm. them out of the school with a private school scholarship. And then I think that one didn't pass a couple of years ago. Then last year it was, I think it was up to that either the four or three times 400 or 300% of the federal poverty level was the cap that they were going to go for and mm-hmm. not any more than that. And that didn't pass either. And this year they expanded their majority so much in the legislature. They said, you know, nothing's holding us back. We'll just give this, you know, to everybody, uh, you know, even if their parents are making $500,000 a year and uh, we, they can afford it. No problem. You know, we might as well just pay it for them. So we're basically at that point, just paying for the third trip to Disney world for these families. <laughs> Uh, you know, in the last five years for this family of four, you know, they're going to tell you it's a hard scrabble middle-class family, but you're talking about some of the wealthiest families in Iowa, I think, um, who are going to be taking advantage of this at this point. Yeah. Uh, that, that figure of 41,670, no, 41,687 students who they predict will be enrolled in this, that will, uh, come out to a cost of around $344.9 million. And so that is a basically a transfer of money from the public school system to the private school system, like almost $350 million. It's significant. And the, I guess the way that that's going to work is like this would be going to a school district, public school district. Uh, it's like an amount of state funding that they get per student enrolled in the district. And instead of them getting that, it goes into a savings account, an education savings account that the student's family has control over. And they can use that for private tuition and um, related expenses. That's like uh, school fees, I guess. But they specified that it cannot be used for transportation to and from school, uh, food, clothes, or supplies like notebooks and pencils. Yeah, but... You know, this reminds me, um, I think it was Joe Manchin when they were talking about uh, the child tax credit expansion uh, that they were trying. Every every family was getting $250 a month for kids. And Joe Manchin said that money is going to go <laughs> be spent on drugs. You know, uh, parents are going to spend it on drugs instead of on their kids. And even when you and people talked about this um when they were talking about universal basic income as, as well, you get this big transfer of money to people, which normally I would support, but when you're giving it to people who are already paying private school tuition, you can put the restrictions on what it's used for, you know, as well. But at the end of the day, they're already paying those costs. And so now that's just 
you know, $7,500 savings for them. And so they're going to spend it on whatever they want. You know, uh, I joked on Twitter one time, it's like they're getting the the big size bottle of Tito's, you know, this time uh, (laughs) instead of uh, the 1.75 liters instead of the the 0.75 liters. And so they can say whatever they want that this is going to, you know, only certain things, but they're going to use it for transportation, food, whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's the end of the day, it's not going towards the goal of an education for all. It's to subsidize this private school education when these kids could very easily just enroll in a public school. And in most cases get an equal, I'd I'd say in all cases, get an equal education uh, in the public school is that what they would get in the private school. So Hmm. I'm not a fan. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. They put all the restrictions on the programs for like poor people, like means testing and stuff. But then when it comes to this, it's just like, no accountability whatsoever. Yeah, they just were going to do that with uh, SNAP benefits, I think, right? You couldn't buy, like, meat or something crazy like that? Yeah, it's a long list. You could only get wheat bread and, and brown rice, not white mm-hmm. white bread and white rice. So. Which, like, they would, I'm sure, get immediately sued when or if that were to pass because it's, like, indirect contradiction to, like, federal welfare guidelines, I believe. Mm-hmm. At least that's I read something about that. Yeah, and that's why we have other people on the on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's I mean that's why they've been uh, buying the courts for so long is so that true. W- once those battles come, they they have an advantage. Uh, one more notable thing about the the school choice law is that it places no additional government oversight or regulation on the private schools who are receiving these new state funds. And in fact, this is a, I'm reading directly from the article. The legislation also says the state would not be allowed to regulate private schools in any way not necessary to implement the law and that any Department of Education rules that impose an undue burden on a non-public school are invalid. So this is a state law that is uh, claiming authority over the Federal Department of Education when it comes to regulating uh, private schools in Iowa. Yeah, we'll uh, get into it more with all the uh, other education proposals that are coming up. But this is all about what Evan, what you said about the uh, federal rules and what you said about the courts. It's um, There's already a Supreme Court ruling from the last year about, I think, private schools in Vermont, basically saying that uh, they had a voucher-like program and it could go towards specifically religious schools. And so the you know, the pieces are all in place to say, we're going to take this public money, put it towards these private institutions, and in this case, overwhelmingly religious institutions, mm-hmm. and they're going to be allowed to do whatever they want. And that's all going to be done under the auspice of their First Amendment rights to religion, um, but the rights that everybody else has to have equal accommodations, civil rights, you know, be treated equally. Um, through public accommodations and public funding in this case, those things don't apply because their right to, you know, discriminate through their religion supersedes everybody else's rights. And so this is all set up, you know, it's kind of depressing to talk about, um, you know, I wish uh, we weren't in this um, situation, but, you know, it's, they've laid this all out and this is where they're going with it. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot more going on still today, you know, tomorrow, I think there's a big book banning bill about public schools um, and a big hearing being put up to drop people out and talk about how horrible public schools are and, you know, how parents' rights are being violated in public schools. And it's, 
it's all designed to uh, undermine public schools. Um, and I think we'll talk about that a little bit later about just, uh, you know, who's behind all this, but it's clear mm. what's going on. And it's yeah. happening in a lot of other states. It's kind of a coordinated attack on public education. Yeah. So I was reading uh, a lot of opinion pieces about this, both before and after it was passed uh, in the Des Moines Register. Dire, dire opinions <laughs> being <laughs> being published in that paper. These are the people who really support this bill. <laughs> the uh, the pub pundits who write into the Des Moines Register. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, we generally don't talk about letters to the editor on our show. I wanted to do it once, and Evan sort of uh, pulled me back from the ledge. <laughs> I think the they're kind of usually like not um, worthy targets. I think that's the language that you used, Evan, years ago when we talked about I that. I don't remember. <laughs> um, they're usually just like regular weirdos, like strange mm -hmm. old people writing into the newspaper. But uh, th I don't need to read like the content of this letter, but... There was one that jumped out at me when I was reading the letters published on January 12th about the school choice bill. The first letter in support of the bill was from a Democrat, and his name is Joseph E. Brown Sr. Generic name. Yeah, he sounds, he could be anyone. <laughs> but, yeah. but this Joseph E. Brown Sr., in particular, he was the interim superintendent at Clear Creek Amana Schools, I think, last yeah last year, and uh, he quit that position early before his uh, his interim period was up, so that he could run for state senate. And he won the Democratic primary in District Thirty Five, but then withdrew from the race. <laughs> <laughs> Who, whose district is that? Do you know? Uh... District 35? Uh, it's a Republican a district. I forget okay. the names, but yeah, somebody had to just like fill in for him as the Democrat right. in that race. <laughs> you know, uh, superintendents, yeah, I think you guys know we've had our superintendent uh, drama in Cedar Rapids mm -hmm. um, recently, and we just hired a new one who I think is going to be great, and I'll let everyone pass judgment on that uh, later <laughs> on down the line, but uh superintendent is a very weird position and this kind of underscores it's like it's someone whose job is technically like a ceo of the school district but they're appointed by the school board who are politically mm -hmm. elected and so it's not surprising and you saw with uh ahart i think is the guy in des moines who mm -hmm. stood up against a lot of the um anti-mask stuff right. um, and all the uh, regulations from the state again with COVID. It's like these people are doing a political job and some of them are doing it kind of in a good way. And then some of them are just in it for, you know, they're in it to make a lot of money. They're some of the most highest paid people, um, definitely in the school district, probably in the state. And, you know, they've got to deal with the politics as everyone else. And it's just funny to enter the primary and then withdraw. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he obviously <laughs> knew what was going to happen in the election this year. So it was probably smart to withdraw. <laughs> yeah. He would have taken a big L like everybody else. But, um, you know, it's, it's, they're going to say that they're all for children every day and it's all about the children. But that's the same, uh, nice flowery language that everybody else uh, says when they're saying these things. So. That's my take on superintendents. So. <laughs> yeah, Joseph E. Brown clearly had higher aspirations, but I mean, after like quitting early, running, and then dropping out after winning the primary, like 
you should have the self-awareness and the shame really to just stay out of the public light after that (laughs) you should be embarrassed but you're writing letters to the des moines register supporting like a super anti-public education policy he probably went and got a nice consulting job you Mm -hmm. know for ten thousand dollars a month or something after this like i said the superintendent position is it's a nice one if you can get it i don't uh, begrudge them they all work hard they're doing a tough job but um you know, they get a retire in their 50s and then mm-hmm. collect paychecks, usually on the public dime after that for another 10 years, you know, uh, and whatever consulting roles and things like that. So, you know, bless him, but uh, not surprised that he's um, writing uh, Kim Reynolds's on the side of Iowa's children uh, letter to the editor. Here, yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think we ever brought this up on the podcast before. The Cedar Rapids superintendent prior to the one that you just uh appointed what was the deal with mm-hmm. that guy oh um art art is the interim right now art's a really nice guy played basketball um i forget where he's from in iowa played some college basketball nice guy um but you know he was the first thing that happened uh when i heard his name is i googled him you know i'm a millennial and so i learned everything i learned in life from google <laughs> and he was associated on his linkedin as a pastor at this church. And I said, well, you know, I'm not a religious person. I don't begrudge anyone their religion, religious beliefs, but religion is a controversial subject. And so I clicked on the church's webpage and their first, uh, you know, they had doctrinal beliefs, you know, here's what our church believes. And it was, uh, you know, something about Genesis and uh, it didn't explicitly say evolution, but I assumed it Mm -hmm. meant evolution. And then marriages between one man and one woman. And uh, like I said, these things are political. And so I'm elected by the people in Cedar Rapids. You know, I I work for the U.S. Postal Service. I go all around town. I see pride flags everywhere I go, every single neighborhood. It's like I know the people I represent. I know what I believe. And it's like someone who two Google clicks away is, um, you know, the pastor of a church that doesn't support uh, same-sex marriage. Like, I can't support that. Mm -hmm. But everyone else supported him. So I'm working with them. Like I said, personally, he's a nice guy, but wouldn't have been my choice uh, to represent the people of Cedar Rapids as their chief executive of their schools. So, yeah, it seems wrong to me to hold both of those positions simultaneously because he's still a pastor at this church, right? I don't know if he's still pastoring at that church, but he was up until, you know, we hired him. I think he might be pastoring at another church now, um, you know, and, don't ask me about, I've got a lot of opinions on superintendents, but not so many on pastors. Um, and so, you know, he's, he's doing his thing and I think he's doing a good job in terms of that, but you know, you gotta think about how things look. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I know if all the stupid stuff I say online is going to come up one day and bite me, um, you know, but the people can vote me out if they don't like that. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to this, you uh, when are the next school board elections in case people want to vote you out? 2023. <laughs> uh, this year is my I'm up. I don't know if I'm going to run. If you guys okay. find me someone to take my seat in Cedar Rapids, but they have to be good. They have to be pro-union and they have to be uh, not a, not for banning books and for teaching evolution. You know, all the good stuff. Mm-hmm. If they believe it, I'll support them because I don't I don't uh, have to do it anymore if uh, someone else will do it for me. But I'll help them get elected. Yeah. <laughs> uh, since we were talking about religion uh, there, I want to s- skip ahead to this thing I had pulled up in my notes. Um, this is an opinion piece in support of the school choice 
agenda. And this was written by Dan Ryan. Uh, Dan Ryan is the president of the Des Moines Regional Catholic Schools and Dowling Catholic High School. Another guy who looks exactly looks exactly what you think he would look like uh, based on his name and his position. You know, when you click on his uh, his picture, <laughs> and I'm sure his opinion is very representative of the people in the state of Iowa as well. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this is how uh, a guy like this, who's in charge of uh, some private schools in Iowa, so clearly has a, a vested interest in this. This is how he's kind of selling it to the register reading public. And he's responding to uh, another piece uh, opposing school choice. In an attempt to cast aspersions on school choice for the children who deserve it and their parents who have a right and responsibility to do what's best for them, State Senator uh, Claire <laughs> Chelsea... It's Chelsea, right? Or is it Kelsey? <laughs> uh, yes it is <laughs> i think it's chelsea yeah um celsey <laughs> the c is silent yeah oh, Claire elsie yeah. elsie mm-hmm. <laughs> in a december 25th guest essay proclaimed that the school privatization movement is not an iowa value deliberately or not such claims only confuse rather than clarify an important and necessary conversation Support for school choice is not a movement toward school privatization. Yeah, it's really funny to complain about that and then use the word choice like 10 times. <laughs> like that's not muddying the waters either. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, non-public schools already exist and have long been an essential yeah, piece of always had a choice overall education. <laughs> if you had enough money, at least. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the school choice discussion is about giving more educational options to the children of working families. It's ironic, yeah. therefore, that doing what's best for kids is precisely what school choice opponents profess to want most. So can the kids just choose not to go to school? Because I think I would have been on board with that. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a choice. That's a good choice. Don't do not do that if you're a kid. <laughs> if there are any kids listening, uh, which I hope yeah, there aren't. You shouldn't be. This is labeled explicit on iTunes yeah. or whatever they call it. Uh, the writer contends that privatizing Iowa schools by funneling money into vouchers and allowing charters to cherry pick students is not the Iowa way. For too long, critics of non-public schools have deigned to insist that they know what's better for a child than that child's own parents. This has been a big uh, theme for these people is uh, parental rights. You know, as a parent myself, as a, someone with two kids at home and two parents, it's like we're betting 50-50 in terms of the parents knowing what's best for the kids. It's like, you know, my wife, she's doing a great job. She's got everything lined up for the kids. But if, if you said, oh, Dexter knows what's best for his kids, it's like, no. You know, these kids, I need help um, <laughs> out here, you know, uh, they're going to do better if I've got support. Um, and if I'm you, you send me to the grocery store, I can't make a good choice most of the time. So if you ask me what uh, school is best for my kids, I don't know. And it's really um, I don't know. So you guys ever bought a house, uh, you buy a house, they have these um, little circles and they change the colors of the circles. It tells you the test scores for the, the schools in the area and it's like you know a red is bad you know green is good they changed them because 
it was all BS marketing, yeah. you know, it's all the test scores are bad and the test scores don't really reflect anything about whether or not it's, um, you know, a poor or a rich neighborhood most of the time. And so these schools, you know, they're offering choice and options and it's all going to be a sales job at the end of the day. It's like the Des Moines, you know, Catholic school system, they want the money coming in so they can keep operating um, because, you know, they're going to say they're a nonprofit, but they're a business like anyone else. And that's the kind of the scary thing uh, with options and choice. It's now it's religious schools. Um, farther on down the line, it's going to open these things up. Uh, this happened with COVID a lot, um, you know, basically just warehousing kids in a strip mall with, uh, you know, a $15 an hour, if that worker uh, kind of looking over them as they're learning online. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's not what is going to be best for kids. I know that at least. And, but that's kind of what this opens us all up to. Um, and so I don't know the whole choice and option uh, language. I, it's obviously message tested by these people. You see it all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if we'll get into Corey DeAngelis. He's the guy who uh, is like Betsy DeVos's, uh, Herald of Galactus. It's like, you know, when he shows up in your state, uh, you know, the, the school choice, you know, world eater is coming to destroy your education <laughs> system. Um, and he, you know, he's just, he's, he's, you know, I'll give him this, he's message discipline and it's just choice, choice. And if someone says something against it, it's like, oh, why would it destroy the schools? And it's like, you know why, but it's hard to fight against that language of choice options. But just think about it for a second. You see where this all leads to. And so again, Dan Ryan, another great name, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, so what's happening? I, I don't know how you can observe a public school and think that decreasing their resources is going to make education in the state any better. Like Natalie told us uh, last week or the week before that uh, her kid's teacher was begging for uh, paper like she ran out of paper for the class <laughs> and it's like how, how are they supposed to they're gonna have less money now <laughs> is this a good time to pitch my solution for iowa public schools uh, i think yeah we need a solution you know, so yeah, yeah. absolutely <laughs> okay so i've got it everybody just adopt the slogan spread it far and wide we're gonna fix we're gonna fix the state this way and that is we're gonna quadruple the education budget and we're going to open schools year round to provide services and all the details of that. We're going to fill those in later, but it's free lunches all year round, free dinners, free breakfast all year round for students. It's before and after school care. It's much higher pay for teachers and everybody else who works in schools. It's better facilities. And you do that. How do you do it? You quadruple the education budget and open schools year round for services. So whatever you're hearing from Iowa Democrats, whatever you're hearing from Iowa Republicans, it's not going to work. It never has worked and it never will work. But something that will work is quadruple the education budget, <laughs> open schools year round for services. So uh, you know, our card caucus audience, take that message, spread it around the state, get Claire Celsi, get Sarah Trone, Gary, get uh, all the lame Democrats from Iowa City area who, <laughs> despite, uh, you know, representing what is probably one of the most liberal areas in the entire Midwest, mm -hmm. they campaign like they're blue dog Democrats from rural America or whatever. I don't understand these people at all. But just tell them, you know, we've got the solution and the people want to hear it. So just repeat it far and wide, quadruple the education budget, open schools year round for services. It's the key. 
And, uh, you know, it's, it's really, it's, it's got something to it. I think quadruple, you know, people know what that means. Mm-hmm. It means times four. That's four. I hope they know right? what that means. Yeah, yeah <laughs> yes. exactly. Four, right? Yes. You know? and, and maybe if we don't get quadruple, we get triple. And even if it's just double, you know, that would be a much better than where we're at. But yeah, just in, uh, you know, I hear it from teachers all the time, uh, just how much they're working, how little they're given, how much they're dealing with. Um, it's really, it kind of just digs at It's been really hard the last couple of years. I'm sure it was like this before COVID, but mm-hmm. having this all on top of COVID and having it be like the schools are the problem with society yeah. and not the yeah. glue that's holding everything <laughs> together. It's just ridiculous. So anyway, that's my spiel. Thank you for letting me say it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you joke about like the lack of details, but honestly, you don't need the details. Like no, just mm-hmm. increasing the resources would solve so many problems. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. People will tell you that it's not the money. It's the money almost all the time. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk more about money, I'm sure. But uh, this whole thing's about money. Know, yeah. Of course. Yeah, it's, it's all money at the end of the day. And there's a lot of reason why they don't want to spend more monies on schools. But uh, this is the idea of social reproduction, right? It's like we've got to keep society going. And if you don't pay for it, you're going to get what you pay for, uh, more or less. And in this case, uh, you know, Dan Ryan from Des Moines Catholic Schools, uh, you know, he talks it's such BS because he says it's about helping working families out. Then how come it's not the bill for people, you know, below a certain percentage of income? How come it's open to everyone else? This is, I saw a chart, you know, with the whole gas stove uh, debate recently, <laughs> um, you know, you get these charts and once you get to the top 10% and especially the top 1% of incomes in America, uh, preferences really change in terms of what people buy and stuff because people can afford it. And so, yeah. The top 1% buys gas stoves. The top 1% sends their kids to very expensive private schools. And that's what this is about, giving a handout to them and, you know, spare me the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, And those are the people who are going to get taxed when you quadruple the education budget. They don't right. want that. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, this is a class war. Actually, this, this is a very relevant. I pulled up this tweet because I haven't seen anybody summarize this whole situation any better than this this is from uh chris jones who is one of the the water professors on that water podcast the <laughs> podcast about water we're gonna call them the, 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 the avatar <laughs> avatar professors yeah. <laughs> the way of the water professors <laughs> i know i said we're the only podcast in iowa but there is one about water that you mm-hmm. can listen to it's by yeah. some professors yeah much much smarter than us um yeah yeah, you, you may learn it. something from them, so yeah. don't listen to it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, his uh, River Raccoon on Twitter, that's Chris Jones, um, he summed it up like this. Number one, wealthy people don't like being taxed for schools that their kids don't attend. And number two, wealthy people control the government. Yep, that's why <laughs> yeah. this is happening. Like, that's why they want it, and that's why they're doing it. Yeah, and I think I responded to uh, this when you pointed it out, but public teachers unions are a huge political force and have been for the last hundred years since public schools were expanded. My wife could tell you more about this. She took a history of education class, you know, um, when she was getting her degree and told me a lot about it, but, uh, you know, public teachers unions, they're sticking together, they're working people and they're going to advocate for themselves as workers and for the people that they are working on behalf of uh, children. And there's a lot of need in this country. And so if you're advocating 
for more pay for the people who take care of the kids and more services and um, you know more investment in the kids themselves, that costs money. And it's not just um, conservative wealthy people's like, well, I mean, a guy like Bill Gates wouldn't call himself a conservative, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, he is conservative. Yeah. But the, that style of billionaire have been pushing to kind of undermine teachers unions and um, public education for a long time. You know, they want charter schools, they want all this choice, but just in a different style of choice, not the religious school, but they want charter schools, they want everything but expanded investment in public schools. And that's because to expand investment in public schools costs a lot of money. Now, if you ask me, that money all basically just stays in the state because if you pay teachers more, the teachers aren't going anywhere. They're going to live here. They're going to buy property. They're going to, you know, spend the money in the community. But, you know, if if this is done on a national scale, a guy like Bill Gates, a guy like uh, Jeff Bezos, who's worth billions of dollars, they don't want to send a bunch of their money to teachers in Iowa to pay them $80,000 a year. That doesn't help them at all. Mm -hmm. Um, But it sure is, sure would help us, you know, here. And so that's what it's about. It's not just, uh, you know, the people who are paying for private school already. It's the biggest, wealthiest people in the country. They know to pay for, and that's saying it's like education is kind of the bedrock of what we're doing from a public uh, services standpoint. And so there's a lot of kids in poverty in Cedar Rapids schools and to help them out is going to cost um, in a lot of ways. And yeah, you're not going to get wealthy people to pay for that. Um, unless you take extreme measures and, you know, what we're doing so far is not working, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah. So. Yeah. They call education the the great equalizer, which is maybe too optimistic, but it definitely is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it definitely is. You know, when you invest in a, a strong public education for everyone, regardless of means, that is uh, a rising tide lifting some boats, right? <laughs> Yeah, well, I think the education system, you know, 90% of kids are in public schools in Cedar Rapids. I'm sure it's like this in every district in Iowa, but we have what's called community eligibility for free and reduced lunch Mm -hmm. at some of our schools. I don't know how long this has been going on. I don't remember it from when I was in school. But so, you know, I live in a pretty nice neighborhood on the southeast side of town, but our elementary school is community eligible. And so my kids get free and reduced lunch. And so lunch is free for everybody and breakfast is free for everybody at that school. And so whether you quote unquote need it or not, um, just a place where you can go and get a meal, make sure you have something ready for you um, every day. And our before and after school programs are the same way. I think, you know, if you fall below a certain income level, that's going to be free or, uh, you know, a reduced cost for you at the school. And so, you know, as a adult, the thing that you interact with in the government is you drive on public roads, you know, you don't have that direct interaction with the government, with public services. But as a kid, and kids are, you know, 20% of society, whatever it is, they're interacting with it every day and their families are. And so it's really, you know, it is not the great equalizer, but it's the one thing where we're delivering services, helping mm-hmm. make people's lives better. And we can make them a lot better, again, by quadrupling the education budget and opening schools for services year-round. Yeah, but this is uh, completely antithetical to free market capitalism, 
like a, a pl- the place that you're describing here where you show up and you get all this stuff whether you can pay for it or not that's like utopia i know it's a little where this is the marxism we're teaching kids in schools you know which yeah i mean somewhat genuinely like this is why they are so against this thing thriving oh absolutely like i said teachers unions are at the heart of it i think uh more than anything and I don't know all the teachers unions in the States. I wish ours in Cedar Rapids here. And I understand why they're not, but I wish they were a little more radical sometimes and really kind of, you know, pushed and put pressure on the system because even us as a school board, it's mostly, I'd say probably an all liberal school board, um, you know, liberal good or liberal bad, however Mm -hmm. you view that word. Um, You know, we're not trying to do outrageous, uh, you know, radical things or anything, but, the school, if the, if the teachers union came up and pushed on those things, you know, we'd be more likely to do it because their voice carries a lot of weight, but they're, you know, just fighting to hang on most of the time because of all the policies that are coming out of the state, coming out of the national government, even mm-hmm. under democratic administrations, you know, they're not fully uh, friendly to teachers unions, but teachers unions. I think that uh, link I sent or that tweet I sent is they represent like a quarter of all union members in the United States. Yeah. And so this is a huge, uh, you know, mostly female uh, population of working people in the country. And um, they've got a strong voice and they need more support and they're going to be undercut mostly by the wealthy, mostly male, uh, you know, billionaires in society. <laughs> Earlier, you mentioned that there's these other school bills uh, being talked about. Uh, For example, uh, House File 9 bars schools from affirming a student's gender identity without parental consent. Uh, House File 5 supposes that schools are so... (laughs) This is from the uh, Des Moines Register editorial board, so there's a bit of... Uh, editorializing here house file five supposes that schools are so untrustworthy that only by reviewing all classroom materials can parents be confident in sending their kids this is something that like i don't know how the fuck they're even gonna manage doing this where like all class um syllabi have to be like reviewed publicly by the legislature i think i don't know all the details of it but it's like you don't have the resources to pull that off i don't think (laughs) Right. No, it's not about uh, getting it done. It's about providing, you know, it's about, you know, giving all these rules that you Mm -hmm. have to follow and making it impossible to follow so they can say that you're doing the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. See how bad these public schools are? Yeah. Yeah. Get rid of the teachers I don't like. Yeah. Uh, House File 7 requires the state universities to report, among other things, what they're teaching Iowa's future teachers about social justice. And House File 8 prohibits instruction on gender identity and sexual orientation before fourth grade. Yeah, the um, there was a an article in the Gazette, uh, you know, the Gazette's political reporter. He was the uh, one about the state universities. Um, he was saying, and it's like, oh, they went through and picked all these phrases, you know, and they were all the scary phrases, you know, about race and gender and stuff and equality that you wouldn't want anybody to learn in college. And they picked them out of course syllabus, uh, you know, probably just from the website or whatever. And it's like either a state paid person, you know, who works for this state legislator who uh, came up with this bill or just a political paid person, they just went through and they said, hey, find these things so we can put a bill and like put out this news article 
article that says all these scary things are being taught in universities. And then the Gazette, you know, like every other credulous, um, <laughs> you know, news media outlets, like here's all these things that they're really concerned about in the syllabus from the university thing. It's like they they put up this bill for you to write this story and give them media for it. It's like, so thanks a lot for doing their job for them, you know, making it seem <laughs> like a, a big deal. It's like, you guys are, you know, it's like the media, you need the media to get the message out sometimes, but please stop reporting on this stuff. It's all, it's so transparently nonsense. And I guess they try sometimes to paint it that way, but every time they, uh, do this or pull out the phrases from all the books they want to ban that are like selectively, you know, uh, taken out of books. Um, and even just, you know, the, the gender identity and sexual orientation before fourth grade stuff, it's like, that's a political message, you know, it's like the before fourth grade part. And it's mm -hmm. like, nobody knows what that means in practice. Um, and they're not supposed to know what it means. It's only to get the headline mm -hmm. of don't, instruct on gender identity and sexual orientation before fourth grade and then uh you know some 70 year old person reads that in the newspaper and they say oh gosh the schools are mm -hmm. uh you know instructing on gender <laughs> identity before fourth grade i'm definitely against that and it's just like what are we doing here what's the point of all this if not to discredit the entire project of what we're doing so yeah and i mean good luck up. for the media you know existing in this future uh society where all these things pass and everybody you know thinks that the government and the media is out to indoctrinate every single person and you know uh you know this is back to death panels stuff, uh, and mm. you know uh, kill off every old person but the media you know you're gonna be on the chopping block next so thanks a lot yeah. for helping out guys yeah I mean, they're not doing so great right now either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's crazy to me that Democrats don't, don't, I mean, it's, as you said, it's not good, but it's crazy that the Democrats don't use the media to their advantage in similar ways. Like I was just arguing on Twitter about that medical marijuana bill, which was like mm -hmm. falls short of legalization and has a bunch of like pro landlord stuff in it. It's like, you could get a bunch of positive headlines by just saying like legalize weed <laughs> And like, yeah, there's right. going to be some people like the only time they do use that kind of messaging is basically to put out there that they're like not that far away from Republicans or like we're not like it's mm -hmm. messaging about how they're like not extreme. And yeah, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's insane. And their defense of the uh, the landlord stuff is that, well, this bill isn't going to pass anyway. So then what Evan is saying is like the only purpose of putting a bill forward is that it will be out there. It it could be reported on. So then, yeah, why not go for broke? We put out a bill to legalize all drugs mm -hmm. and increase uh, potential like uh, recovery addiction services. We put it out there. That's what we want to do. But this Republican majority is completely uninterested in helping anyone. There you go. You get you get a message out there that makes you look good to good decent the people, people that you need to reach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And as a, uh, you know, a politician, I guess I'd call myself uh, the media, they're going to report on what you say if you're in a position to have your words reported on. And so I don't have a communication shop or like a big strategy of what I'm trying to do when I talk to the media. But like, if I have mm -hmm. an idea, and I want to get it out, it's like I contact the media and put it out there, uh, you know, in whatever way I can, and they report on it. And so the stuff that gets put out, it's like, this is what you want to put out. It's like, you're losing, you're still losing. And this stuff is going to make you lose even more. So I don't know what they're doing most of the time, but it's not working. Yeah. Who is this for? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about who who these people are in the legislature doing the bidding of the wealthy, trying to demolish public education. Uh, obviously, first of all, Governor Kim Reynolds herself was a big uh, booster of this policy. This is a piece she wrote herself for uh, the paper. And I want to just pull this excerpt out because I love the tone of the last sentence I'm going to read. And this is sort of like... um. Well, let me just read it. Iowa's public school districts will continue to receive state funding for the students they educate at the same level they do now. And I think after the fact, they've actually increased that by like 3%. Well, short of inflation. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, Together with other local, state, and federal funds, public schools get more than $17,000 total per student. With the Students First Act... They'll also receive $1,205 in categorical funding for every student who lives in their school district, but attends a private school instead. That's new money for students they won't ever teach. Thanks. You should be grateful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's the first thing, you know, once all they cut the, prop, the income tax down to 0% and uh, all the federal money from the COVID Recovery Act goes away, that $1,200 is going away first chance the next Republican legislature forget. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, oh, we can't afford this. This is money that they're, they're going to use the same reasoning to cut it. They're going to say, oh, they're not teaching these students. So why should they get $1,200 extra? Yep. They'll mm-hmm. say that it's inequitable to give this to public school students when we're only giving <laughs> 7600 to the private school students. And so they say that now. That's what the students but, said yeah. are there. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, gonna, it's going away. More than offset yeah, it's gonna. Isn't it the money that's going from public schools to private schools going to more than offset that one thousand five hundred? I guess it depends on how many people change enrollment. Right. This, but this is so they're transferring money from the public schools to the private schools. That's about seventy six hundred, and they're talking about this twelve hundred as the replacement. But it's like you still took seventy six hundred. I think the twelve hundred <laughs> is for every student. Uh, you know, even if they aren't enrolled previously. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if there's a hundred students enrolled in private school now, they would get 1200 for that. And so theoretically that would be not a bad deal, but um, you know, there's obviously so many more problems with the voucher program, but like I said, this is not, and this is the type of thing where if Democrats tried to uh, propose this, Republicans would say, Oh, this is, you know, this is not going to be funded long-term. This is what they said about like Medicaid expansion mm-hmm. under Obamacare 10 years ago. It's like, Oh, they're giving us money now, but we're going to be on the hook for that money in the future. And so, but Democrats aren't smart enough, I guess, to put that together for themselves and use the same attack against them because the, you know, the money's not going to last forever once we're not collecting any taxes because there's no more uh, income tax in the state. And so a hundred percent will cut this down in the future and then they'll keep funding schools, you know, at 2%, 3% increase every year, uh, despite all the needs, despite all the inflation. And so it's just more money out of the public school system into the private school system, which is what this is all about. And even if it's not about completely privatizing the uh, public school system, which which they would do if they could, but they know that that would be too difficult to uh, create an entirely private school system. At Mm. this point, they'll just settle for subsidizing the people who are currently in private schools, you know, that top 10 percent of uh, incomes in the state for the most part uh, who we're now paying for their vacation every year. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, if if every single student was attending a private school, there wouldn't be that segregation. So that right. I think they want that still. They want it to be their own education system, and all the other undesirables are still at the shitty underfunded schools. No, absolutely. You know, um, they. I've been calling it uh, segregation for a while, and um, it's it's segregation. You know, it, it's there's even in public schools there's still problems because there's still segregation mm-hmm. in society in general. Yeah. Um, and so when you do public schools by neighborhood, the neighborhood segregation is reflected in the public schools. But that's a hundred percent true in the private schools now. Um, that there's you know racial segregation, I'm sure. Um, but also they're doing it explicitly on LGBTQ issues. Now, um, the Des Moines diocese, uh, you know, is coming out explicitly at the same time, this is being rolled out with a policy statement, you know, basically saying you can't be trans in the Des Moines public school. And Kim Reynolds came to Cedar Rapids. It was for the Linmar school district instead with Ashley Henson last year to sell this Mm -hmm. saying, Hey, because Linmar was, uh, doing trans affirming policies, um, in their school policy, their public school policies. And so they came and said, Hey, you don't want your kids in these type of schools that don't reflect your values. Uh, and so that's why you need private school choice. And so it's, it's explicitly, if you don't want to be with certain types of people, you don't have to be, you can go someplace into your own school system that represents your values. And, you know, like I said, the money thing is one side of it, but that mm-hmm. kind of, we're going to do a new type of segregation is uh, the more troubling uh, portion of it, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know how to get people to see that public schools are a place where everybody, you know, I, I went to private school in a small town until I was in sixth grade. And then I went to public school mm-hmm. um, in a big city after that. And the experiences were completely different. You know, part of it was moving from a small town to a big city. But even in, you know, the small town I grew up in, it's not like there were uh, no black people in the city, but there were no black people in the private school. (laughs) And, you know, growing up, uh, I grew up in Las Vegas and growing up in the public schools in Las Vegas, it's it was all the education I needed that I never got, you know, growing up in small town, Iowa. Um, and the education itself, the actual curriculum part, you know, was probably better than I would have ever gotten in private school in Iowa. And so, but because some people still want to hold on to, uh, you know, these backwards beliefs of what's right and wrong and who they don't want to be around, we got to fund it now. Um, and it's, mm-hmm. I, I can't even say how bad it is. Yeah. And I, I think we also need to, again, reiterate that it's part of like a, bigger project that has been going on for decades, like the idea of basically destroying public education. I mean, like Reagan was like going to propose, or he did propose to completely eliminate the U S department of of education. Yeah. And Uh, uh, Ron Paul did the same. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely the same thing with like the, the religious stuff. And yeah, I mean, you also see it now with like the uh, micro schooling and homeschooling stuff. Uh, being promoted super heavily as like an alternative to, to public schools. Yeah. There was a book that when I ran for our school board, one of the teachers unions, uh, people told me to read a book called democracy in chains. And it was, I didn't read the book. I just listened to a podcast about it, but mm-hmm. it was about the public school, private school, the private privatization movement 
started in Virginia in like the sixties. And so you can imagine what type of place Virginia was yeah. like in the sixties, 10 years what was after going on Brown then, versus huh? Ford. <laughs> right. And so yeah. <laughs> it was, it was kind of this mashup between the wealthy interests that didn't want, you know, cause it was all libertarian based George Mason university, like the libertarian university in America, they funded this guy and it was, you know, it's the wealthy funders and he got on with the, uh, you know, people who still wanted segregation to be in the schools and just married those two ideas together. It's like, we don't want to spend money on schools. You don't want to send your kids to school with mm-hmm. black children. Hey, you know, this is a match made in heaven. And so yeah, coalition it's the same building. Thing today. Exactly. You know, <laughs> if only we had more of that on the left. <laughs> so. Right. Uh, so more of the, uh, the enemies of humanity. Here's something about Jeff Shipley, uh, one of our favorite awful guys on the show. Uh, I wish, so the video I have of this, the audio quality is so bad. Otherwise I just play it, but uh, we're relying instead on the IO starting line, uh, Ty Rushing's reporting on this. So during the debate over the school vouchers, Jeff Shipley spoke. And when that guy stands up, you know, it's going to be <laughs> out, out there. <laughs> so let me read what uh, Ty Rushing wrote. Representative Jeff Shipley connected the murder of a Fairfield teacher to a student charged in her killing, being denied a voucher to leave the public school over his family's disagreement over masking policy. So there was a Fairfield school board meeting where uh, the parent of Jeremy Goodale, who is one of the students who murdered a teacher in Fairfield, his father, uh, Dean Goodale, went to the school board meeting in April 2021 and was basically like telling the school board, my son is uh, suffering because you require masks at school and I want a voucher to send him to a private school instead where he wouldn't have to wear a mask. And he did not get that voucher. I don't know if he explicitly said, give me a voucher, but like, I guess that was what was going on in that school board meeting. And so Shitley is like saying, you know, if that kid had got a voucher, you know, maybe he wouldn't have killed a teacher. It's absolutely disgusting. (laughs) Yeah. You can only laugh at things. This guy says, I don't even know how to deal with, uh, Shipley's, uh, you know, comments. He's so obviously trolling all the time. Uh, but, and so it's cool that you guys talk about him, but when like actual Democrats interage, engage with him online, it's like, why are you even bothering uh, (laughs) talking to this guy? But, uh, you know, we had a lot of people come and yell at us about masks and vaccines um, mm-hmm. when we had school-based. And so it's, yeah, in 2021, we did school-based vaccine clinics. And then in 2022, even though the White House put out guidance saying do school-based vaccine clinics, we didn't because the previous year people came and like handed out flyers saying how bad vaccines were. And so <laughs> these parents and these, half of the time they weren't even parents, but just this whole anti-vax people yeah. and just hearing that this kid's uh parent was one of the people coming and addressing the school board about that uh you know the people that we got coming and addressing the school board about all that stuff you know one time they came and um filled the audience and alex jones just started randomly playing out of their phone one time <laughs> like, gosh i guess that's who we're just dealing with here and so well, there was a group of people like traveling all over the state going to various school board meetings, right? Yeah, we had a local group in um, Lynn County. You know, some of them were from Marion and stuff like that. And then we had a local guy, like a small business owner, like uh, I forget what he did, but, you know, he would come and he kind of got 
to be the group of the like leader of the group. And he would just come and just, and he sent an email once. It's like, you're doing, this is like the Nuremberg trials, you know, it's like showing these uh, <laughs> like graphics of like slaves with, you know, what is the facial covering that they put on slaves. Uh, and that's what a mask is like. And it's like, golly, it's like, <laughs> and it's just like, you have to deal with it. You have to let them speak and everything, but it was not um, the most productive public discourse. <laughs> Uh, which is, you know, brings back to Shipley and it's like, this is out of control. These people will say anything. Um, it doesn't matter, you know, how repugnant it is, but this is what we're dealing with. Yeah. A wild argument to make a crazy thing <laughs> to say in public that, you know, if, if you pass this thing, maybe fewer teachers will be murdered. Right. Huh? You ever think about that? <laughs> uh, and, and that, um, that, that guy, the student who, killed a teacher had been enrolled at uh the maharishi school in fairfield okay. prior to that but transferred into public schools at some point so he had been in private schools before uh here's another <laughs> of the uh, enemies of humanity this is about a different bill the one that uh well the headline is safety concerns ignored as gop advances bill to out students so this is the one where uh, it's house file nine if a student uh comes out at school uh they have to report it to that student's parents and I pulled this from uh, an article by Nicole Heitrick with IO Starting Line. Uh, so after a series of speakers, including a bunch of trans students, pleaded with uh, Iowa lawmakers to not pass House File 9, which would force the schools again to out them to their parents, whether that's a good idea or not, which if they haven't told their parents, it's probably not a good idea. The speakers were, were telling them, like, it's going to cause a bunch of domestic abuse situations. There could even be suicides over this, as there have been in other states where similar bills have passed. After this marathon of people telling them why this is a horrible idea, uh, from personal experience, uh, Skylar Wheeler, he said this. What I've heard today from those opposing the bill, this is your words, parents are evil. That's literally what you guys were saying. Parents are evil. Parents don't know what's best for their kids. That's what was said to us today. I cannot believe in the state of Iowa we have people that think that parents are going to abuse and hurt their kids because they find something out at school. We're going to pass this bill, and it's going to get to the governor's desk. They, uh, yeah, this is another one. They, I don't know. They, um, it's something that I've seen in my own family. I, uh, you know, I was rather chill upbringing didn't have any problem with my parents for the most part you know they have flaws i have flaws as a person it's everything's good for mm -hmm. the most part i get along with them but seeing it in you know close to home seeing it and then you start hearing it pop up um i think natalie's talked about it on some of they did that it was jeanette mccurdy um podcast about yeah. the book about her mom and then i just all of a sudden i see it start popping up everywhere it's like oh yeah this makes sense. A lot of people would not necessarily just get along with their parents. And when it comes to uh, <laughs> trans issues, especially from a religious household, uh, you know, I could totally see that happening. And it's like, why would you not believe it uh, when they come and tell you that very thing? And I love, uh, you know, he said, this is your words. Uh, you know, it, it, this isn't what people said. They didn't say parents are evil with the thing. So he's like, <laughs> this is literally what they said, but that's not literally what they said. But just before I came on, there was a uh, someone got the Pope on, uh, uh, you know, on record. And he's been talking out about countries like I think in Sudan was one of them where it's literally uh, illegal to be gay, you know. 
And he's mm-hmm. coming out and saying, this is wrong. You know, even though I'm the Pope, the head of the Catholic church, you know, you can't criminalize people for being gay. And it's like, it's not quite that bad in America at this point, but it seems like all the progress that was made, because I'm sure you guys remember growing up in the early 2000s, it was all about how terrible gay marriage was going to be. Um, and, you know, there's a yeah. real anti-gay sentiment. Um, mm-hmm. in America. And I thought we had made a lot of progress from that, but this is just taking all that and kind of taking us so far backwards. And maybe it's just in Iowa because we're a special state with a lot of special people in it. And uh, maybe other places are, you know, a little bit more advanced on those topics than us. But yeah, to see the Pope come out and talk about it, it kind of drove it home. It's like, yeah, this is definitely happening here. People basically want to make it illegal you know, not explicitly illegal to be trans or to be gay, but as close as they possibly can, can without getting away with it. Practically. Um, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. And it's clear that students and kids are going to have trouble with their parents and that parents are going to treat their kids bad in some situations. And this guy is another just completely out of touch person. Um, he probably, I don't, maybe he doesn't know any better. Maybe he really believes mm-hmm. this in his heart, but he's wrong. <laughs> It's stupid. Um, and I don't know, it's, it's happening right now. So I don't know how we fight back against it. Um, but it yeah. sucks. I'm not inclined to give any of these guys the benefit of the doubt. They, <laughs> right. They know what they're doing. They're just bad people who are lying. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, yeah, I overprepared for this. I think I've got a ton of notes here, but I think we covered like pretty well what's going on and what, what needs to be covered. Do you want to stick around and listen to a couple of voicemails, Dexter? (laughs) Oh, sure. (laughs) Uh, Listeners to the show may actually remember Dexter from a a previous voicemail. You called and told us to care about local elections, if you remember. Uh, Just recruit me some candidates. You don't even have to care. Just get me the people and I will (laughs) get them elected. You know, Uh, that's not it's not that I think I spent about two hundred dollars on Facebook ads when I ran. Um, and it was the first year that they they used to have separate city and school elections. And so it was the first year they were combined. So a lot more people were going to be voting. And I said, ah, I better, you know, I spent some money on Facebook ads. I spent some money getting the list of people who signed up for a mail-in ballot. And I called mm-hmm. those people and asked them to vote for me. And then I had like a good message, you know, that I thought would resonate in a good issue. Um, and then I got the teachers to support me as well and other labor unions. And I won, you know, by like, 10, 15 points. And so it's not hard. You can get elected. Uh, but I don't, uh, have the reach that you guys, you guys are long time. Iowans, long time Cedar Rapids people, uh, just find me the people we'll get them elected. We'll do a, you know, a full socialist takeover of all the <laughs> local governments in the state. Yeah. Got well, we're trying, we're trying in Des Moines. <laughs> yeah. We have some, we have some candidates. Here. Yeah. I'm yeah. excited for, uh, those, those candidates and Indira was, she got started really early and that's the number one thing, you know, it's like the earlier you get started and it's a lot of sweat equity that they would say to put into it, but you just got to reach out and find people and have a good message. And it worked for her. It worked for me. Um, I wasn't even running on any, you know, big ideas. I was just running on petty local squabbles. But now that I'm here, I can, you know, spread my ideology far and wide like uh, people think I'm doing. Yeah, the squabbles uh, are growing. Wider (laughs) reach with your squabbles. Important squabbles, right, yeah. And, uh, (laughs) you know, um, it's not just, uh, you know, my, I got to get my one cancelable opinion out. It's like, I'm not just out here trying to, 
you know, band show choir or anything like that. But, uh, you know, um, it's like, that's what it seems like schools are all about. You know, if you follow it online stuff, it's like, oh, here's what's going on in show choir. It's like show choir is nice. All that stuff is nice. Mm. But there's real there was an article in the Gazette today about we've got a magnet school about um, uh, sustainability focused magnet school in this ninth grader or not, not a ninth grader, a nine year old. It's an elementary school. Um, she was like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do an audit and like count how much trash we're, um, creating at the school to try and reduce like the trash going through the school, because that's obviously like the world we live in, you know, how much, uh, garbage we produce as a nine-year-old. It's like, that's a, a real person at an early age engaging with the world in a real way. And it's like, that's what we could be doing in schools and cities and everything. But, um, for so long, it's been kind of business as usual, which is just, I don't know. It's a, it's an old 20th century view of thinking, but it's 2023 now. We can do mm-hmm. better, I think. So yeah, that's my pitch. Yeah. Well, since we're we, on this, before we have I, your back on that. <laughs> before I play the voicemails, uh, I do want to like specifically name the people who are running in Des Moines who have our support, our undying, <laughs> unending support. Uh, Denver Foot is running for mayor of Des Moines, and they are. I, I'm very excited for this. Um, Denver is like a normal person. You know, not not a wealthy person, a working class person, community organizer, lives a normal life like you and me. Uh, they've rented, they've worked a terrible job, they've probably made minimum wage at some point in their life. They know what life is like, real life. So I I would love to see them do well. Uh, and also our friend Bridget Botkin's running for city council. Same story there. A normal person. Normal people for normal governance of the city of Des Moines. <laughs> kind, normal people. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's get these uh, voicemails going. If you want to call in, our number is 319-849-8733. I will most likely play your voicemail on the show. I've played almost all of them. And here's one now. This is for Kimmy, you big, fat, white, nasty-smelling, fat bitch. Why you took the money off the motherfucking schools with your trifling, dirty, white, racist ass, big, fat bitch, oompa loompa body ass bitch? I'm bitch. I'm gonna bleep hmm. part of that so we don't get a subpoena. <laughs> 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 I've been told this is a meme of some sort that uh, it's imitating a popular viral video. <laughs> <laughs> well, we agree with the sentiment. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily right agree with calling someone an oompa loompa body ass bitch. Yeah, I can't, <laughs> can't endorse the body shaming, but if it is a viral meme, you know, you can you allow some leeway for that. But the sentiment, yeah, we can we can support. Yep. You have a right to be upset about this stuff and you have a right to express yourself in in a way that really drives your anger home to the listener. So thank you for calling. Uh we got one more here. We are not associated with Kim Reynolds, by the well, way. Well, Rock Harders, that's right. It's your friend and comrade, Rob Sam, here. <laughs> I'm, I hope you're having a blessed day. Well, I'm out here on the Lone Prairie right now doing some bow hunting. <laughs> wow, Maggie's got me a big deer. She's a real beauty of a deer. Anyway, I was just calling to let you know that I'm glad my people reached out to your agency to set up a time to interview me. I'm so excited to meet some of my biggest fans. I had a wonderful idea that I'm sure you'll love. The two guys are such big fans. 
why don't we do our podcast in the ray gun downtown? <laughs> wow, that would be so much fun. And to be serious here, it would finally give me a chance to address all those allegations and prove I'm really a human. I want to tell everyone that I did not actually dip the pizza crust in whole milk. It was 2%. And no, I'm not the creature from It Follows. I'm not that tall, silly. Anyway, go ahead and call my office so we can set this up. Once you sign your NDAs, we'll all be ready to go. Uh, toodles. <laughs> Since when did uh, Rob Sand become Ted Cruz, or rather uh, James Adomian <laughs> doing yeah. Ted Cruz? <laughs> yeah, but I, I thought it was Justin Roiland from Rick and Morty. Oh yeah, uh, could be. <laughs> he's in some trouble, so he's Rob Sand. You, uh, tying him back to the whole school thing, it's like Rob Sand for all his faults, he could have ran for governor and. Even though he probably wouldn't have ran, Democrats probably would have done better because he would have had, you know, millions and millions of dollars, but he didn't. <laughs> and he barely hung on his, his race. And so now what Rob Sand's going to do, he's going to run for governor next time. And he's going to say, look at all the problems with the finances on uh, the voucher program. And he's going to use that as a campaign issue. Meanwhile, we all have to live with it, um, you know, in the meantime. And that's what he's going to do for the next four years. Uh, you know, all these all these bad things. I'm cooking the. I'm checking the books on them. You know, making sure they're up to scratch, and they're not. I'm saving taxpayers' monies, but you know, the real effects on people. He's got no. He's got no time for that. You know. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Sorry to bring seriously into the voicemail. No, section, no. I but. wanted to bring that up because yeah, I saw he's been very active on social media talking about the uh, the bill. Um, but even yeah. then, his statement that he released uh, still has his thing. He has this thing about you know like low-level city employees stealing money from the government sort of thing. <laughs> yes. And his, uh, his whole thing about, yeah, the fact that the private schools don't have to necessarily, uh, they don't have to show where the money goes. He was talking about them like buying teachers like muscle cars, like a Ford <laughs> Mustang convertible. Like that would be the worst thing in the world is if a you know a private school got more funds and then a teacher bought a nice car. <laughs> like That's just, fucked up. It was strange. It was very strange. Those people aren't supposed to have nice things. They yeah. were born to rich yeah. parents. Yeah, it's like, like weirdly <laughs> still anti-teacher. Sorry, <laughs> like I don't, I don't know if. Yeah, I mean, I don't. It just seemed odd. <laughs> well, we shouldn't be too hard on him though, because in that voicemail he said he's going to come on the show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which, which I, yeah. you know, after after my email went unreplied to, I assumed that that thread was well. Done, uh, he just went on that no. other podcast. Uh, what the was it? The, party the moderate moderate yeah. party podcast. I had. I haven't had time to listen yet, but I will be uh, listening to that one soon. Oh, yeah, that would be, yeah, we'll see about that one. <laughs> uh, and we did get one voicemail asking our friend Chuck for advice, but I'm going to save that for another time when he is available to record. <laughs> so, again, that number is 319-849-8733. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love for you to uh, eat up some time on this podcast, create the content for us. It's very helpful. Thank you. Uh, before we go today, uh, Dexter, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, and if you don't, you can just reiterate your plan to fix the schools. <laughs> That's right. Uh, quadruple the education budget, open schools year round for services. It's the only message to sell for education. It's going to fix education in Iowa. It's going to fix the state. People are going to be flocking from all over the Midwest, all over America, all over the world to come to the 
socialist utopia of Iowa where every kid has a meal every day of the year. Every kid has childcare. Every kid has uh, even, you know, job training and, um, you know, trade school stuff once they graduate high school. And it all can be possible once we quadruple the education budget and open schools for services year round. And then 2023 elections, you know, I don't know if I'll be on the ballot, but someone will be in Cedar Rapids and we're going to get them elected. If uh, anybody, um, I'll help the people in Des Moines if anybody needs help, Iowa City, anywhere out there. Um, you can be a part of it. You don't even have to work that hard. Um, <laughs> but if you do, you can make even more of a difference. But you got to step up and, um, you know, thanks for the chance. Yeah. We got to restore our image on the state quarter, uh, which <laughs> that's right. has a nice little one-room schoolhouse. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the positive vision of the future, Dexter. And thank you again for coming on our show. I have a couple of events I would like our listeners to know about. I'm playing a show at The Lift in Des Moines on February 23rd. I'll be playing along with Battalion of Cloud Ships, Sex Funeral, and Sutty. And I'll be part of a free jazz trio uh, called Bareback slash Adams slash Comer. We have not played together. It will be the first time we've ever played together at the show. So you're going to be seeing history made if you attend. <laughs> I'm going to try to go to that one. Evan will be there. You can say I hello to I said I will Evan. try. <laughs> I'm, I'm busy. <laughs> and shortly after that, February 26th in Iowa City, uh, I will be hosting I Hear I See, a local music and artistic showcase uh, at Close House. We'll be upstairs in the dance hall that will feature Mars Ohelia, Drop Bear, Rachel Saint, and Robin Groth. I also want to plug our Patreon, patreon.com slash rockhardcaucus. Uh, last week, I had an episode with the famous Brian Quimby, Murder Brian, formerly of Street Fight Radio, a friend of ours. Uh, we reviewed the unaired television pilot for Clerks, which was very bad, but Brian is a very entertaining man, so you will enjoy listening to that. And uh, this week, we're going to finish the Steve King book review. Steve King wrote a memoir called Walking Through the Fire, which is even worse than the clerk's pilot, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Gavin Aronson so. and I uh, have finished reviewing it. We recorded that uh, Friday, and I'll be releasing it this week. Patreon.com slash Caucus. A whole bunch of stuff there. If you like the show, the money that goes there helps us make more of this show. And then, uh, yeah, after the Steve King book, uh, we have the... Uh, <laughs> yes. Is that what you were going to say? <laughs> no, no. You, you, I uh, forgot to mention it. You should say uh, it. Okay. Well, uh, Justin and I, uh, and possibly some guests, are going to be reviewing the Iowa Trouble uh, autobiographical book by Tyler Granger, who isn't really that notable, but the book is very entertaining. No. So The book um, rocks. <laughs> yeah, we love it. So we're going we're gonna to bring that to you. You're not, you don't want to miss it. All right, we're going to close out with some music. Uh, if you make music in Iowa, go to our website, rockhardcock.us. Near the top, there's a button. Not a button, but a, a hyperlink you can click to submit your music to end the show. This is a, a unique one. A Twitter user inspiring Entrep. It's like entrepreneur, but it's cut off. So inspiring, E-N-T-R-E-P. Uh, he said that we could use the music that he has up on Newgrounds. <laughs> it's kind wow. of a throwback. That is a throwback. <laughs> Newgrounds still exists. 
Yeah, there's music <laughs> there by uh, Yoko Meso is his but, name on Newgrounds. Y-O-K-O M-E-S-O. Flash that Newgrounds would just disappear. <laughs> yeah, so this is a Twitter user inspiring Entrep uh, from his Newgrounds page. We'll be closing us out today, so enjoy. And thank you for listening. Goodbye. Yeah. All right.